You're listening to Galaxy of Film. And welcome back to the brain ups of Galaxy of Film. I am, of course, your host, Max. This week, I am rocking this episode co-hostless, you might say, but I'm certainly not alone. First off, I want to go ahead and introduce our first guest star. We got Curtis. How are you doing, bro? I'm doing great, Max. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, man. It's been a pretty productive day. I'm playing a lot of Jedi Survivor, you know. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Super productive. Oh, you know it, man. You know it. What's going on with you lately? Oh, not much. Uh, working from home this past couple of weeks. Um, getting ready for a trip this weekend for another for a convention over in Indianapolis. Um, mm-hmm. Just getting that kind of stuff all prepared. Other than that, I'm just living my life, man. Having a good time. Okay. Very nice, man. Very nice. Sounds exciting. I know we were talking more about the convention stuff last week when we did our LFG for The Mandalorian. Um, but yeah, you're always the convention guy. You know, yes, you're sir. always traveling for those, which is awesome to hear. Oh yeah, so if people ever see me, um, just come up, say hi. We'll talk for a little bit. I'm I'm never busy. I'm all usually in a line for stuff. So <laughs> that's literally how we met too. Actually, that's yes, that's sir. the funny part. <laughs> Love to hear it, man. Love to hear it. Um, but we're also not alone. Thankfully, of course, this week we've got Brian from Drink the Movies and the Old Republic podcast. How are you doing, bro? I am doing great, Max. Thank you so much for having me back on. I'm always excited to come on to Galaxy the Film, and uh, especially excited when we're going to be talking some Star Wars. That's always a good time. Uh, just got back from seeing Star Wars in the movie theaters, saw Return of the Jedi. Tonight, we're going to talk about that a little bit more here in a minute, so I'll get into all the details of my theater visit, but yeah, happy to be here, Max. Thanks for uh, having me back. Of course, man, of course. I'm glad you had a chance to see Return of the Jedi as well. I got to see it uh, this past Thursday, so really Thanks. amped up Thanks. for that moment, dude. And of course, we're going to get into that, like you said, of course, you know, how could we now such a screening? But Brian, this is an episode we've had planned out for quite some time now, actually. Um, We have another very special guest star joining us for this episode. We've got the man himself. uh, He's featured in this week's topics, these films. We have Eric Walker. How are you doing, man? I am doing great. Thank you, Max, for having me on your show. Of course, of course. As always. (laughs) (laughs) That's very much right, Eric. Uh, And this is our May the 4th special this year as well. So this is an extra special episode we got going on. But yeah, man, very excited for this. Eric, you are, of course, featured in the Ewok films as Mace. And you also have your own podcast you do as well, if you want to tell us about that for a moment. Yeah, I started a podcast called All for Sci-Fi. And um, I was thinking about doing a podcast about Star Wars because obviously I'm in Star Wars. And then I thought, you know, I'm also a Star Trek fan. I like, you know, Stargate. And I started thinking about all the stuff. And I said, wait a minute, there's there's all these podcasts. I don't, there's not one that just covers everything usually. It's usually just one genre. And I said, why not all sci-fi? Because I love everything sci-fi. And that's how the name came up literally. And I said, wow, all for sci-fi. So that's how it started. I started a couple years ago. We now have about 15,000 subscribers on YouTube. So we're slowly growing. So if you go check us out on YouTube, it's uh, it's all at all for sci-fi. The whole word spelled A-L-L-F-O-R-S-C-I-F-I. All for sci-fi. And uh, other than that, I've been, of course, as, as you mentioned, I, am, uh, I played Mace Tawani. Um, also called the OM, which stands for the original Mace. Mm-hmm. So you can just call me OM, and that's cool. Uh, nice. that, that was given to me by um, 
Jim and uh, the, the the people that do the uh, Rebel Force cast, I believe. Oh, yeah, you were familiar with those guys as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they had me on their show. They were on some other podcast before that, and they moved and started their own, but they co- they coined the phrase, the you're the OM, and like we were joking one day, it was great. So um, that's how I got my name. Sorry, Sam Jackson. I was Star Wars <laughs> first mace. So you were first, absolutely. There absolutely, you know. man. <laughs> well, it's great to get you on here, Eric, especially for this week's you know episode, of course, for this May the 4th special. Um, it is kind of funny, honestly. I got you and Brian here. Um, Brian, of course, you are the co-host of the Old Republic podcast. And as you were saying off air, you know, we kind of started, you know, drink the movies and Galaxy of Film relatively at the same time. Mm-hmm. But before I started Galaxy of Film, when I was kind of figuring out what kind of platform I wanted to return to in order to like discuss films, um, whether it be like a YouTube channel or a podcast format. A big influence for me to start the podcast was Cassia with the Old Republic podcast. And one movie or two movies I really, really want to talk about were the Ewok films. So this is a weird, like, you know, founding father episode for Galaxy of Film. That's right. Yeah, it's been like a like a three year journey to to lead us to be in uh, right here. Yeah, with the original Mace and uh, excited to talk about the Ewok films for sure. Uh, got a chance to rewatch them, you know, here in the last couple of days and uh, mm. revisit them. And you know, now they're they're on Disney Plus. So you can watch them whenever you want, and you should do that all the time, basically, uh, just like once a week or something like that. But but yeah, uh, couldn't be happier to be on here uh, talking with you guys. Yeah, man. There's a lot of cool stuff on Disney Plus for like the, I think it's the vintage Star Wars side they have labeled now. Yeah, we're, we're Star Wars vintage. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> they got like the the holiday special cartoon of Boba Fett on there, um, some of the droids content as well as like the Ewoks cartoons. Good stuff, man. I'm glad it got the light of day to be on streaming because it wasn't on Blu-ray. You know, so that's always fun. But before we go ahead and start talking about this week's films, guys, um, you know, normally we do a show segment here on Galaxy of Film, but this week instead, we're going to go ahead and start talking about some May the 4th stuff that's dropping later this week. Of course, for our listeners, you are listening to this on May the 4th. However, we're not recording this on May the 4th. So we're just going to be talking about, you know, some of our excitement and thoughts about these projects before they come out. Um, And first up, though, like you said earlier, Brian, Return of the Jedi is back in theaters for the 40th anniversary this past week. Um, I had a chance a couple of years ago when we were first, you know, returning back to theaters to see Empire Strikes Back in theaters for its 40th anniversary run. So I had to go ahead and make sure I saw Return of the Jedi as well. Um, I loved seeing this in theaters. This was my first experience for it. And anytime I see a Star Wars movie in theaters now, like, I always think back to when I saw The Phantom Menace 3D in theaters opening night. There, I'll never forget it. There was a guy in front of me, and he said right before the credits rolled, or the opening scroll came up, he said out loud that, like, I've never been more excited to see a movie I've seen a million times before. And that feeling will always return anytime I'm seeing any kind of Star Wars film in theaters. But what was, kind of like, your experience like seeing that today for you, Brian? Yeah, so I uh, literally, I just got home about 40 minutes before we started recording, so I had just uh, fresh back from the theater seeing it, and... Um, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, the the theater was full. It wasn't in, it wasn't in like the big giant IMAX theater. It was just in like a regular sized one. But you know, Tuesday night, uh, the theater was still really full. There was a good mix of you know like people people my age who kind of grew up with those films, and then uh, people you know young kids taking them in, and you know just kind of the the general excitement about it. People people really were into it. Um, 
I'll say, like, the <laughs> very fitting with the theme tonight. Uh, it seemed like the biggest, like, crowd reaction stuff was for all of the Ewok stuff uh, coming out when, you know, Wicket pops out. You know, that was getting a lot of laughs and uh, mm. stuff like that from, from the crowd, you know, people getting into it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was just a really fun time. Um, it was It was a movie that I... I grew up with, you know, I was born in, in 81. So I was a little, you know, on the young side to have seen it in the theater, but, you know, grew up watching it on VHS and then finally got to see it on the big screen in uh, 97, you know, when the, the special editions came out, you know, something I went and did with my dad. But, you know, I had that same kind of feeling that, you know, that excitedness like in your stomach that you get when it's when it's coming out, you know. So it reminded me, you know, of being a little kid and being like a high school kid going to see it with my dad for the first time, like at the theater and then, you know, seeing it tonight with some new friends. So, yeah, definitely a good time. Uh, you know, anytime we can get stuff like that re-releases, you know, especially in Star Wars, something, you know, that we all love so much. But, you know, any kind of these uh, classic things you grew up with is always a really fun time to get out and see it again on the big screen. Absolutely, man. And it's gotten like a really well, like nice treatment too for this. Like I know with Empire, we were coming back to theaters finally because of quarantine and whatnot. Um, but like even with Empire, sadly, there wasn't any theaters local to me that played it. I had to go like two hours south into the state to go see that in theaters. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really happy. Like it had like a widespread theatrical release for this anniversary. Um, with a gorgeous, gorgeous poster done by Matt Ferguson as well. Um, just can't wait, man. Got to get a copy of that to go hang up in the in the hallway for sure. Um, Curtis, did you get a chance to watch this in theaters, man? I'm kind of on the same boat as you for what it's Empire. Not a lot of my local stuff doesn't have it playing. Okay, um, but I I can go to it. But it's like I feel kind of blessed in a way because I saw this in an auditorium last year because a lot of the time our local state orchestra likes Ooh. to do watch along the movie, but they'll play the music live. Yeah. And that's the way I've watched. I've watched all... I've seen the original trilogy now all live with all live music. Ooh. I've seen this prequels, except three, because they're doing three next year, all live music. So I felt like I've had a different way of experiencing it, but like mm-hmm. in the same vein, I still want to go see it in theater to have that like authentic experience. I got you, man. That sounds fun. I haven't done it's one of those so before. so much fun. Gosh. If you ever get a chance to find it, like when they go play live music with the watch along, I'd give it a chance. It is so much fun. Gosh, I bet that's great for the Phantom Menace, dude. Duel the Fates. It, it was so nuts. It, they had like a whole choir. There was like a hundred person like orchestra, like choir there. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Dang. That sounds beautiful. That truly does, man. It was great. It truly does. You gotta see it for the 40th anniversary though, man. You have to. I know. I gotta, I gotta get there. Gotta come pay your respects, bro. Gotta pay your respects. <laughs> Eric, did you get a chance to watch the 40th anniversary release for this yet? I haven't had a chance to see the new release. I'm probably going to go see it this week. Okay. Um, but I, with what everybody's been saying, it's uh, I saw it when it came out. That Star, Return of the Jedi was my first Star Wars movie that I saw in the theaters. Oh, okay. So I saw it when it came out in 83 before I did the Ewok movies in 84 the year after. Mm-hmm. So when I... So when I was doing this, the Ewok movies, I already knew what Star Wars was. I knew it was a big deal. And it was, it was <clears throat> what was the interesting experience with me, but even going back, and I'm hoping I have the same experience when I go see it again this week, was just, I had never went to a movie theater where people started cheering and clapping when the opening credits started. And that mm-hmm. was the great, like, what is everybody clapping for? The, the music <laughs> just started and the credits started rolling. I don't understand this. <laughs> But the energy was just alive and electric, and hopefully it's still that way. I know you saw it. You you saw it just recently, so I don't know if people were cheering or not. You guys Absolutely. can let me know. 
But that's the, the thing about Star Wars. It's about us all coming together, loving something we enjoy. And the Ewok movies are 40, their 40th anniversaries next year. I doubt we'll get a theatrical release because they were made for television. But overseas, it did get a theatrical release. And mm -hmm. I saw it in a movie theater. And it played much better in a the movie theater than on television. You're right. You need to see Star Wars movies and even the Ewok movies on, in a the theater, not on television. Absolutely, I 100% agree with that, and it's cool you mentioned they are overseas stuff because I have the uh, the daybill, the Australian posters for the Ewok films, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Wish it had Only a release it, over here for him. It, they did, it was on television here in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, we and the Canadians got cheated, but even in Mexico, it was in the movie theater. Really? I have a, Me hmm. I have a Mexican poster actually. That is crazy. <laughs> Dang. That's very cool. Dang. Well, speaking of big deals, like you were saying, the Ewok movies, of course, are. Um, our next step for May the 4th stuff going on is this week for May the 4th, Carrie Fisher is finally getting her Hollywood star of fame. Um, this is well, well-deserved, of course. Um, I'm surprised it's taken this long, especially, you know, shortly after her passing. A lot of fans were going to some of the blank Hollywood stars that are on the boulevard and were, like, making her own makeshift ones, leaving flowers and lightsabers there. Um, so I'm, I'm just very surprised it's taken this long, honestly, for this to happen, but very well-deserved, very happy it's finally happening. Um, Curtis, do you have any comments on this one? Not really, man. I'm super excited for her and that family that she's finally getting, you know, at least, like, she could be memorialized on that very famous, like, walkway, so. Mm. No, I'm just, I'm just super proud of that. Um, wish it was been sooner, but I'm sure it was, like, a lot of them discussing with the family, like, if they want to do it. You know, like, like, how do they want to pay respects, you know, like, in the nicest way possible. But, no, mm -hmm. I'm super, super proud of her. I feel you on that, man. I feel you. I'm also very proud. Um, Eric, do you have any comments on this news as well? I, it's long overdue. I mean, it was, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's like a slap in the face that it took that long, but at least they're doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, her, I mean, her mother, I, is Debbie Reynolds? I think she has a, she's been, I had one there forever. I'm pretty well, sure she does, yeah. I don't understand why it took so long. I mean, she was famous for so long. She should have got it back in the 80s. Uh, but again, at least it's happening. And that's a great way for to not just honor, you know, honor her legacy, but it's a place for fans, too, to go to, which is, I think is great. Absolutely. Nice place for us to go and pay respects to her, of course. You know? Yes. Absolutely. For sure. Brian, what about you, man? Any comments? Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's well warranted, and absolutely, she should have had it, you know, uh, before she unfortunately uh, passed away. But it'll be great for it to be there and a place for uh, fans to go and pay their respects, um, because you know she's so important to so many people. Um, they do have a policy after you pass away that there's a five-year uh, wait for posthumous awards. Oh. So that so hmm. that's why it's been this long. Um, so she's kind of in that first class. She was, I guess, to quote unquote eligible for, uh, which is kind of a dumb rule, I think, but uh, is what it is, I guess. But yeah, glad to glad to finally uh, get that taken care of. Well, well earned, well deserved, and uh, rest in peace, our princess. Absolutely, rest in peace, man. Absolutely. And speaking of like Star Wars celebration stuff, because you know, obviously, I met Eric through the celebration. I met you too, Curtis, from Celebration. Um, this was actually at Celebration Chicago. Curtis, were you at the Bean that night? Yes, I was. Yeah, you see, you know the moment I'm talking about, man. One of my yes, favorite, sir. like, fan gathering moments of Star Wars was being at that Bean at God knows how late at night it's in eleven thirty. Yeah, eleven thirty at night, surrounded by like two hundred strangers with their lightsabers, 
all chanting carry out loud. Oh, yeah. Very great. Oh, it was great. It was well, then, like, also, like, we had that wedding profession come in. They're like, hey, you guys cool? Can we have, like, have you on the background? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they were, like, I, I think she was, like, wearing, like, Carrie stuff. I think her hair was done the same way, too. Because I still have a picture of it. Oh, really? You know, that, I do. It was such a cool moment. I I love Star Wars fans. They're so cool. I know, man. No matter, how, like, how randomly, like, in a drought I'll get with Star Wars sometimes where there's even so much content or I just haven't felt like watching it in a minute. As soon as you walk through this door of celebration, it just gets you ramped up for sure. Exactly. 100%, man. Um, up next for our May the 4th announcements and new content coming out, Star Wars Vision Season 2 is dropping for May the 4th. Um, a trailer came out the other day. I didn't watch the trailer because I want to kind of go into this as blind as possible. Um, I know we did an episode or an LFG on this a year or so ago on the show. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Season 1, but I know a couple of the studios stepping in for Season 2, and I'm pumped for this one. Very excited to see the uh, the hands of Wallace and Gromit kind of integrated in the Star Wars now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for Season 2, man. Very excited. Eric, what are some of your thoughts of Season 2 dropping this week? Well, I mean, it's nice to have uh, to see Star Wars told in a different way. Mm-hmm. Nice. And who isn't a big fan of Japanese anime? So I'm excited to see that. I saw, I did see the trailer, and it looks very, some of the stuff looks amazing already. So I am pumped. I can't wait. I don't know if I'm going to stay up until until midnight to see it, you know, early. Like uh, some of the diehard Star Wars fans, uh, they, they would stay up until midnight to, to Pacific time. Mm-hmm. on the west coast so they could see the mandalorian or the other shows i i don't i'll be asleep but i'm definitely <laughs> gonna get up early and start watching it on may the 4th yes absolutely that was me though I've, i i feel that pain over here i'm on the east coast of course i was waking up at three for mando wow yeah i mean i i mean i'm i just can't wait until they had we got may the 4th but when are the dark lords and darth vader are going to get revenge of the fifth <laughs> Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's our recovery day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Curtis, I know you were a big, big fan of season one of Visions. How excited are you for season two? Let me hear your thoughts. Yeah. So I believe I was on that episode, and I was one of the few people on that episode where I was like a big like protector of that first season mm-hmm. because because I'm a big anime person. I love that culture and that kind of stuff. So seeing all these new takes and like interesting ways of like telling Star Wars through like a different culture's way of like doing storytelling, I thought was very interesting. Even if not all the let's say episodes were like story wise good, it was just cool to see something new and refreshing. Yeah. So with this new season, like I said, the Wallace and Gromit stop motion one looks incredible. I'm super excited for that one. And a lot of these studios I have not heard before. So I'm super excited to see like what their animation style is like, like how creative they can be with it. I'm mm-hmm. super excited for it. I feel you on that, man. I feel you on that. And Brian, what are some of your thoughts on Visions 2? Yeah, I was I was also on that panel. So go back and listen to that episode. It'll get you primed and ready to go for the Visions <laughs> uh, coming out here on May the 4th. I'm so excited for it. I loved season one of Visions. This season looks amazing. The panel at Celebration was ridiculous. They showed the trailer and then they brought out all of the studios. Um, so we're uh, expanding beyond just uh, traditional Japanese anime. We're going to have that. But then there's also stuff from uh, Ireland and France and uh, Chile, I think, studios doing stuff. So it's going to be all this different flavors of stuff. It's going to be amazing. I'm excited about it. 
Um, if you watch season one of Visions, they have little behind the scenes things, and I'm hoping they expand on those because that was all all season one was done during COVID. So they did all that stuff at home, which is mind blowing. So uh, go watch that. I'm going to be spending all day watching Visions, uh, original language, and then dubbed, and then probably original language again, just all day. I'm just going to watch it all day. All right, man. All right, glad you're glad you're still very very pumped for it. Yeah, I forget you were also there, bro. You're always here for anything Star Wars. Both of you guys are basically. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Um, next up, let's go ahead and talk about like some of the children's side of this stuff coming up for May the 4th. Um, we have a new show, Young Jedi Adventures, dropping. This is about some High Republic younglings going out. Um, we also have another short for the Simpsons stuff going on. You know, They do a couple like five-minute shorts for specials here and there. Um, we had one Star Wars one, I believe, called The Force Awakens from its Nap that we also talked about on the podcast very briefly a while ago. Um, but this year's will be Rogue Not Quite One. Featuring Maggie Simpson, of course. Um, as far as the Simpson one goes, I really hope this one's better than the Force Awakens one. You know, it was funny, but it seemed very much just here's visually Star Wars in this animation style. It, it was all style, no substance for those three or four minutes, which is fine because it's such a small episode or such a small short. Excuse me. Um, I really hope this one plays more of it, like as far as Star Wars and the storytelling aspect with Simpsons. Um, but the Young Jedi Adventures, I'm actually really, really pumped for. I have a little niece and nephew. I've been trying to get them into Star Wars for their whole lives. Uh, matter of fact, it was my um, nephew's first birthday the other day. Got him a BB-8, and I got him his first Boba Fett, of course. Had to get him set up and ready. Nice. So I'm really pumped, man. I'm forcing my, my sister to go ahead and sit her kids down to watch this show for sure, day one. Make sure they go ahead and binge all of it, of course. But, Curtis, what are some of your thoughts of these two projects coming to yeah, so for the High Republic one, I I have not caught up with a lot of the High Republic stuff. I've been trying to, like, find out, like, what the reception is. Like, hey, you know, what stories are going to get into? Like, what all the kind of stuff is. Because it's such, like, a fresh new well of, like, storytelling you can do. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for the people who get to, like, experience it as, like, a young kid show. Because I think we do need to keep making these kind of shows. To, like, introduce, like, kids younger than us. It's, like, more Star Wars. Because more Star Wars is always good. Yeah. Even if you don't like it, it's more Star Wars is always good, especially for young kids. And even if it's like made for kids, it can always just be their good TV. Like I never like diss kids TV because it's always usually pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the other one, I'm not super familiar with like, <clears throat> excuse me, that kind of stuff. So I gonna resolve um, resolve judgment on that one until I actually see more stuff. Okay, I feel you, man. I feel you. And since you're mentioning it, too, with this being such a, like, younger kids program, it's nice that this is, like, one of the first solid, like, exclusively, no, not exclusive, I guess, anyone can watch it, but, you know, designed 100% for kids program Mm -hmm. for Star Wars. That's a unique thing to see, for sure. Because, don't know if you guys haven't watched this little show called The Clone Wars, but that thing gets dark, you know? It's very dark. (laughs) For, like, a kid's show, it gets, it gets pretty heavy. It does, man. It does, especially when Ahsoka's chopping off heads. Gosh. It, it's brutal for a kid's, like, G-rated show. But it's-, <laughs> it's wild, man. Um, Eric, do you have any comments about these two projects here, Young Jedi Knight Adventures and The Simpsons Special? I, I think it's great. I mean, the the not trying to talk about the Ewok movies, but the two Ewok movies were made for Amanda Lucas, mm-hmm. which is George's first daughter. And she was four years old. So these movies were made for kids. So mm-hmm. that's what people forget, forget about. They, they, they thought they were going to get into this, uh, go see a new, a new Star Wars show. But the Ewoks were for kids. So 
I think that's great. I think that it's great that they have more content other than just us vintage Ewok movies. Because mm-hmm. uh, younger younglings need more content. In fact, why not make a, hopefully in the future, why don't they make an Ewok series and bring the Ewoks back? Disney Plus, and then have more of that going on. That would be great. But yeah, I'm excited to see it, especially you know anything that. Uh, hopefully, it's uh, hopefully they also it's good teaching for kids too. It teaches them how to yes. behave, how to not bully each other, how to. Hopefully, it has teaching moments for kids as well, so to help them grow and be better people. Um, but and I, I'm sure it will. Uh, but it, I'm excited to see it. I mean, all that you have, we have Master Yoda there and teaching him, and it's it looks great. I'm just uh, the the trailer looks great. I can't wait to see it. I think they need to produce more content. I hope, like I just mentioned, I hope this goes well so they produce more content for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the, there's yeah, like you guys said, you know, the Clone Wars. It, they think it's a cartoon, but it's uh, you know, it's not really for kids. It's not for <laughs> Disney Junior or whatever they call it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. It's not that entry level. Yeah. Right. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Gosh, and then you, like you mentioned as well, like possibly bringing the Ewoks back. I wish they would, because they when they had that Disney investors meeting a few years ago, they teased bringing right. back the Droid Show. You know, so right. why not bring the Ewok stuff back too? Might as well. It could for sure. I mean, they, hopefully they make the costumes easier so that they could see better. You know, <laughs> right. they're going blind in ten seconds. But we'll talk about that in the future. But yeah, more content, more content, more content, and more Star Wars, more Star Wars makes us happy. So, absolutely, absolutely. And Brian, what are some of your thoughts of these projects here too? Um, not uh, super familiar with the uh, the Simpsons crossovers. I know there was the one last year, but I didn't. Uh, ever uh, catch that one and i just saw some people were posting about this one uh today online so i'm not super familiar with that um the high republic is something that i've been enjoying i'm not 100 percent caught up on all the comics and stuff but i'm uh pretty much caught up on all the books and i've really enjoyed it um i really like the uh what they're doing here with the young jedi adventures i think they said at celebration it was going to be like their first thing that was specifically targeted at like like pre-k like age yeah. uh, kids so i mean it, it looks fun and colorful and 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 that'll be fun and great the toy line for young jedi adventures looks legit it looks insane it looks so awesome i wish i was a kid because i would get them and play the heck out of those toys because they look awesome so uh good job kids uh buy those <laughs> and keep that stuff going because uh we need something more than just the uh, the vintage collection and uh black series we need some more more fun toys out there absolutely dude that's the the weird predicament i'm in now having a niece and nephew this age because like i'm to a point where i'm burnt out on hasbro products i'm you know stepping up for like the side showing hot toy star wars stuff going on um i just have way too many funkos to keep wanting to collect more and more of those um but i still now that i have these kids in my life catch myself going to every toy aisle every store picking up something for them so you're right the toy line for this is legit can't wait to get them a lot of stuff dude um, I like my niece already has two lightsabers ready to get my, or no, three, actually. Now I got her Anakin's, the dark saber and, uh, the third sister from Kenobi, the Inquisitor Blade. Nice. Nice. So hoping we get some cool lightsabers from the High Republic era coming out too. Um, can't wait, man. Cannot wait for that. They're going to love that stuff. They're going to eat it up. <laughs> but our last piece with, uh, recent media slash content coming out for May the 4th, um, we have a little game that came out last week called Star Wars Jedi Survivor. This is a follow-up to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order that came out back before Rise of Skywalker dropped in The Mandalorian. 
Um, Brian, I want to hear some of your thoughts on this. I know you haven't played too much of it yet, but you are a big mm. gamer. What are some of your expectations yeah. for it? How are you liking it so far? All the above. Uh, my expectation is that it's going to be amazing. Um, and from what I've seen kind of gameplay-wise so far, um, I've got it uh, downloaded and installed. I've only played it for about a half hour, but uh, it looks great so far what I've seen. I'm very excited to get into it. Uh, the first Jedi Fallen Order uh, was amazing. Uh, it came like out of left field like no one was expecting it, and then it was just blew us away with how good it was and how good the story was and uh, how well thought out those characters were and how emotional BD1 made me uh, through the thing. So that was the whole thing. I just I just finished the, the Battle Scars book that Sam Maggs wrote. So I'm ready. Ooh. I'm ready to go to play some Jedi Survivor. I just need to carve out like... I don't know, like six straight days to just sit down and play it, drink a lot of coffee, but uh, looking forward to it. Very excited about it. Very nice, man. I'm glad you read the book. How was that? I haven't read any of the recent tie-ins. It was good. It was good. It was really fun to get back kind of into the world of that crew and to kind of see, you know, kind of where their head was at, right? Because that first game is pretty heavy. A lot of stuff happens. So then I think um, Jedi Survivor is 10 years after that. So it's it was kind of a good check-in with everyone to... To get you get you kind of grounded for what's going to be going on in the game, I think. But uh, I, I'll I'll know a little bit more, I guess, after I've played the game to see if how much that ties into it or how I kind of feel about the book after I've gotten a little bit more of the story and vice versa. But yeah, I like the book; it was good. Okay, sweet. We'll have to follow and, up and, with you on that. And Sam Mags, I think, it does a lot of video game writing as well. Also, I think she's done some like Call of Duty stuff and some other stuff too. So uh, that's kind of I believe in her uh, wheelhouse there in terms of writing. So. Very nice, man. Very nice. We'll definitely will follow up with you in a couple weeks because you know you're always here, of course. <laughs> I'll just I'll just show up. I'll just hop on. Get yeah, it won't even be a Star Wars episode, man. We'll, we'll have you come on for another Scarlett Johansson special and then just talk some Star Wars. <laughs> Absolutely, Curtis. Have you played Jedi Survivor yet, man? I have not because I'm so I'm also a big gamer. So what I've heard is I'm gonna so I'm gonna play it on PC. Mm-hmm. And the PC port, from what I've heard, is not very good. <laughs> um, I've heard it's a lot of stuttering problems, the frame rate drops. Um, which is sad, because everyone says it's a great game, but that port is atrocious. Yeah. So I'm going to wait a little bit just to see once they can get it all manageable. Because mm. I love that first game. It came literally out of like nowhere. Like We couldn't think like EA, the most evil company in the world, made like a great Star Wars game made by respawn and i love respawn because they made titanfall series but no it was great i'm just waiting for hopefully this one to get its problems taken care of so i can go into it with like a fresh mind because i haven't seen anything about it i try to keep my when it comes to games spoiler free okay so i'm just waiting for it to get all fixed up and then once it gets fixed i'm gonna hop right into it okay man i feel you there's been a lot of like rough pc stuff this year i know that yeah. last of us part one port was not last so one was bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, AAA gaming, you gotta love it. Yeah, gotta love it, man. Only the best. Only the best of EA. Of <laughs> only the best. <laughs> well, hopefully that port gets fixed soon so you can go ahead and play it, or hopefully you just cross over to PS5 like me and Brian so you can go ahead and play with us. You know, we'll get you one day, buddy. We'll get you one oh, day. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> Eric, have you had a chance to play Jedi's Fallen Order or Survivor? Like, are you a gamer at all? Oh yeah, I love I love games. I have an Xbox and a PS5. Um, okay. I, I I got it on Xbox. I downloaded it. I started playing it. I haven't played very much of it, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm enjoying it so far. Um, 
when I was playing it this uh, the other day after I downloaded it, I have I'm working, so I haven't had I, like I like uh, the gentleman said earlier, you need to have more time to do it. But I'm working. Maybe this weekend I'll get more into it. The thing, the what I thought was people that are making this are this good at making games. Why aren't they making movies? Yeah. Star Wars movies. That was my first thought. I, the even the way the camera moves and you do the story mode and and it was like then it revealed the different people it's like so far it's like wow if this was a he'd be freaking out you know if just like even the first game when he went to Dathomore and you see the you know night sisters and stuff like that it's like if this was a real movie and it was made this way it mm-hmm. it would it, 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 it star wars would blow up even bigger than it is it would like make so much money disney would be so happy so they need to hire these guys that are making these games and let them make some Star Wars movies. But so far, I'm enjoying it. I can't wait to get more into it. So, Okay. Awesome to hear, honestly. I, oh, I've, yeah. I've played, I think, like five hours straight today. <laughs> nice. I see, yeah, I saw you playing early before you hopped on. Yeah, man. I, I saw the PS5 still all turned on downstairs, actually. As soon as we got off this call, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm impressed with it so far. I really liked Fallen Order. Um, you know, I haven't been exposed to the Dark Souls games or anything like that, so that whole combat style that were introduced in Fallen Order is very similar to those games, clearly. I haven't been exposed to those, so Fallen Order was like the first, you know, like punch in the face of Star Wars I've had. So I'm really glad to see that Jedi Survivor is also equally challenging, if not more. Um, the lightsaber combat somehow improves, which I didn't think was possible. Um, it, I'm really blown away by it so far. Only thing, and uh, Brian, you said there was an update that just came out, so hopefully this is fixed. Um, there's some frame rate drops here and there, even on PS5, but you know what? Just came out, we'll, we'll get a couple patches in, of course. Hopefully I just don't beat it before the patches come out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just play it again. Yeah, That's right. probably have to. New Game Plus, you know. New Game there Plus. Try Grandmaster difficulty, baby. Yeah. Oh gosh, I will be throwing a controller across the room. I imagine. <laughs> story story mode only, Curtis. Story <laughs> mode only. Oh, my sweet summer children. I, I've played all the Dark Souls like games. Ooh. Oh, you sweet summer children. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord, man. <laughs> only the best here. Only the best. Only the best. Uh, but yeah, guys, that's all the content I had to discuss for May the 4th for this week's going on for our, some of our new segment. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break before we go ahead and dive into our films this week, The Caravan of Courage and The Battle for Endor, and we'll go to our Stream of the Week by Dakari. We'll be right back, guys. Oh, hi, Mark. Greetings, this is Dakari Holder once again back at you live right about now from Galaxy the Film Headquarters podcasting territory. And today for Stream of the Week, I'm going to talk to you about another hidden gem when it comes to the Shaw Brothers Library, Hong Kong Godfather from 1985. The Chinese uh, title translation is literally Heroes of East Sim Sa Shui or Heroes of East Sim. This is a triad gangster film that's less focused on guns and more focused on machete and weapon, handheld weapon 
weapon action, blades, melee style, all that stuff. And it's frenetic, it's brutal, it's possibly the most violent Shaw Brothers film that I've ever seen with a third act that is, I think, completely bonkers in regards of just fight choreography, just flair, action, everything. Great solid story, great solid structure, but with a bloody canvas. Alright guys, and we're back from our break. Let's go ahead and talk about this week's films, starting with The Caravan of Courage. Obviously, disclaimer, of course Danilo is not here for this episode, so my recap is not going to do this film justice like Danilo's unfortunately would do. Um, sorry guys. I'm trying my best here though. Trying my best here. Only the best of Galaxy of Film, of course. But yeah, so this movie came out a full year after Return of the Jedi. Um, before we start talking about the recap of this, what was a little bit of that process like, Eric? Like, how were you approached for, for this? Well, the process of me getting the role of Mace 20 was very quick. Okay. Um, I understand I was like, I came in right at the last minute. We we're having a hard time trying to find the character of Mace. They had met Aubrey Miller early in the process because she was a model and they did uh, they were doing auditions up in San Francisco and she's from that area, the Bay Area, and they looked for people there. They went to New York, went to Hollywood. I was on the last time they went to Hollywood. And it's interesting because my agent called me and said, well, they just want to see if you're right for the role. Just dress casual. It's for the part of a, a kid that's a bully. You know, he bullies people in an after school special. and. You're not gonna have to read, you know, for any the part. You just want to make sure you look right, and so don't go pick up the script. They call them sides here, sides. Mm -hmm. Don't go pick up sides. Uh, you don't need to worry about that. And then I showed up there, and um, it was at the place called the Egg Factory, which later I learned was where Lucasfilm's headquarters was down here. It's uh, across oh. the street from Universal Studios um, on Lancashire Boulevard. And now it's a subway station. They tore it down. It's a parking lot and below that's where the subway comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so I went there, I met John Cordy and Tom Smith. Did you, I know we said you didn't have to read, but we really like your look and we want to get you on video for the executive producer who's not here. They could see your look. And I said, okay. So the, then they gave me a script and said, we'll give you 10 minutes to go learn it. It was the scene with me and Sindel and Aubrey Miller. So it didn't say have any Ewoks in it. So I didn't know it was about Star Wars at the moment. Mm -hmm. There's two characters, Sindel and Mace. And they're running through a forest and they stop and he starts a fire. It's a campfire scene. Okay. So um, after, they, after they run away. So I did that scene, but I told him if you, because you didn't give me a chance to study, and I please do my monologue. For this producer so they could see my talent because i was very serious so i had a prepared a monologue and that's what george saw and that's why he picked me to be mace because he saw this monologue where i'm crying and i guess he has you know when he sees a kid cry just like when they did the audition with anakin the kid was crying i go like he must must have a soft spot spot for kids when they cry or something so <laughs> um and that's all they saw. So he, I was his choice, but then later we did a screen test. About a week or two weeks later, we did a screen test. And that was in, this all happened in the month of May. Okay. We, were fil we st started filming June 11th. So wow. it was very quick, uh, the whole process. And after, when I went up north to do the screen test, uh, that's when I knew it was the Ewoks because Aub they were worried that Aubrey Miller, because she was four years old, they were worried she was going to be afraid of an Ewok. Mm -hmm. So she was very young. So they brought out an Ewok on a stick, you know, <laughs> and of course she ran up and hugged it. It looked like a teddy bear. Mm -hmm. 
the, we just did, did some scenes together and at the end of the day they said can you give us a few minutes they went and talked and I think the John wanted to see how we worked together and they wanted to see how we looked uh, as brother and sister but he walked out 10 minutes later and said congratulations you have the part so I knew before I even finished flew back and had us fly to, up to San Francisco we did it at Cordy Studios which is uh, Cordy Films um, at the time and um, he was he was co-producing it so I didn't know again but I did know what Ewoks were and it was like wow I'm gonna be involved in something that's Star Wars I knew what it was at that point so it was quick and it was exciting and um, unfortunately John Cordy passed away last year I don't know a lot of people don't know that but the, the original director of uh, Caravan of Courage died last year I mean Lucasfilm didn't make an announcement about it but mm -hmm. it's off in a better place now and uh, it was just a great experience so I, I, I'm sorry I just ran into that and changed the subject but <laughs> next year is the 40th anniversary of the mm -hmm. Ewok movie absolutely man rest in peace and you mentioned a, a nice takeaway from that as well. Ewok on a stick sounds like a great galaxy of that <laughs> galaxy of uh, edge. You know, he's some merchandise you can get from there. Bob. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It's really cool that it's a quick turnaround process for you too, of that whole experience. It was for me, but I mean, obviously, it wasn't for other people. But it mm -hmm. was for me. That's fine, you know. It's, uh, I've heard other people, and I've, I've auditioned for other things. It took forever for me to get the role. Like when I, I'm in Lesson Zero with Robert Downey Jr. I play his younger brother, mm -hmm. and that whole audition process went on and on and on. So really? it was like, yeah, gosh. That was yeah. That's surprising that the Star Wars one was the was the, the simple one for you. It was, Looking back, yeah. look at simpler times, man. The dark ages, as as Obi Wan once called them, <laughs> the dark times. Gosh, that's pretty awesome, man. Um, let's go ahead and start talking about Caravan of Courage and dive straight into this. Again, for our listeners, I apologize. This isn't going to be your super in depth Danilo Danilo-fied recap. I'm very sorry, guys. But Caravan of Courage starts off with a family crashing on Endor. Um, featuring two kids, Mace and Sindel, of course, Eric playing Mace, um, and they have gone. The parents have gone missing. They've been taken by this massive monster. We cut, and there's also this Ewok father who's missing his two kids. Um, then he goes off to finding his sons stranded on the side of a mountain, and this kind of kicks into gear for when they bump into Mace and Sindel, because they're lost in the woods, trying to find their parents, trying to find their way in this whole strange area. Um, and the Ewoks kind of more or less take them in to help go ahead and find their parents with them. Um, there's a couple instances where the kids try to escape going back and forth here and there. The Ewoks are attacked at one point as well by this creature in the woods. And then going on before they, you know, start the caravan for their journey going into this process to find the parents to the Forbidden Land as they called it. Um, they have to go ahead and recruit more Ewoks. A brute Ewok and a wizard Ewok. I'm blanking on the names. Sorry about that, guys. Chukatrock, the woodsman, and Kank, the priestess. Ewok. Kank, the priestess. She, Kank, is in the, the figure pack of Teak we were talking about, actually. That's pretty funny, yeah. Brian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, um, yeah, so they end up going to the Forbidden Land, making their way over there to find the parents. Um, Sindel and Wicket kind of stay back while Mace goes with the rest of the Ewoks to kind of fight and, you know, save the parents. Um, crossing this massive spider bridge, finding the, fighting against the spider as well. 
Um, in true Ewok fashion, they have to catapult Mace up this cage that his parents are stuck into to go ahead and get them out of this and pull them down um, while they're fighting this massive monster. And during this fight, the brute Ewok unfortunately dies while the caravan is teaming up to go ahead and defeat the monster. However, Mace gets the final blow right before the monster ends up falling back down the cavern. Um, and then we have a little Ewok celebration, of course. You know, and more or less, we have a little bit of a happy ending for once in Star Wars. Um, I'm going to go ahead and quickly ask you guys, what are some of our earliest memories of this film? Brian, I'm really curious to hear yours about this one, because you were younger when this came out. Yeah, I was younger. So, um, I this came out in uh, 1984, 1985. Um, so, I almost certainly we would have probably watched it on television. My brother is about seven years older than me, so he would have been like at the prime age to have been watching it on TV. I don't really recollect watching it on TV, but I'm going to go ahead and assume that I was in the room when it was happening. Um, but really, I remember kind of being exposed to it just as a, a you know, VHS uh, rental or uh, we would borrow a lot of movies from the library. My mom worked close to our big county library, so she would bring movies home a couple uh, times a week there. And, you know, Star Wars was always amongst them. And uh, the Ewok films were uh, part of that as well. So, you know, just watching them um, at home uh, on the VCR was how I was really kind of introduced to them. And then I eventually uh, got a copy of it on VHS. So then, uh, you know, Caravan of Courage was something that I watched quite a bit growing up. Um, and, you know, kind of, you know, really fell in love with it, you know, just the same way that I did with the rest of that Star Wars. So, like I said, I was I was I was just a hair too young to really have those films be kind of, you know, in my in my developmental going to the movie theater uh, mm -hmm. life, I guess, uh, so to speak. But uh, they really were, you know, kind of uh, left this big imprint on me and uh, home video watching, you know, like like a lot of kids, you know, my age, you know, growing up in the 80s. That was how we kind of consume film. And that's how how I got into uh, the Ewok stories here. Very nice, man. Very nice. This one is, is odd. I don't remember getting the DVD. I know I got it for Christmas at one point as a kid. don't know what year, though. Um, these were, like, on a constant rewatch for me, these two. This and Battle for Endor. Um, really watched a lot more of Battle for Endor for some reason, though, and we'll dive into that, too, when we get to that film. Um, but it was a, it's a weird DVD. It's one of those where it's a flip-flop back and forth, like, double-sided, which always got scratched to hell for me. It was this one, and I had a Batman, like, four-pack of the two Keaton films, the Kilmer film, and the George Clooney one. And they were, I think, the only DVDs to this day I own that are double-sided. Um, but I watched them quite a bit on, like, this portable DVD player back when they were a thing. And thankfully, when I was, like, seven, I want to say, unfortunately, our minivan was broken into. And with my DVD player was in there, it was stolen, with a copy of Return of the Jedi in there. However, my DVD copy of Caravan of Courage and Battle of Endor was thankfully untouched. I still have it to this day. <laughs> nice, so, nice, nice. Had to pop it in for this rewatch, man. Had to. Had to pay tribute to that whole little bit of Star Wars history for myself, you know. But, Curtis, when was your first memory for Caravan of Courage and Battle of Endor? Let's see. I, I, the earliest I can remember was I think I was either four or five. Oh, okay. Because my grandparents had the VHS copies. Mm -hmm. So before I, because I'm sure I watched the original trilogy when I was younger, but I actually don't remember them that much when I was that young. These ones I did because they were like, you know, the more kid-friendly ones. And I watched, I wore those tapes out. I watched them. So I think I watched Caravan of Courage the most. Oh, okay. So, no, I always thought they were great. They got me like, I think one year, I think that year 
because I was watching him so much, I went as Halloween for like, as like a as an Ewok. <laughs> no, it was just a no. I that's kind of where I remember those movies. I know it's not super detailed as both of y'all are going, but no, it's just I just had to remember a good time like watching those and just really a big part of like my childhood was putting those on while like my parents did something else. So very nice, man. Very nice. Glad you had that on VHS. It's cool to hear because you know we're the same oh, age yeah. too. So dang, man. Oh yes, sir. This is an early watch for you. Gosh. Oh yeah, <laughs> Eric. Obviously, you're in this film. Something you were a part of the creative process. I'm very curious, though. When was like the first time you had a chance to sit down and watch this movie as a viewer? Oh, the first. Uh, well, I saw it at a cast and the cast and crew screening that they they had for the L.A. actors. It was at 20th Century Fox, and okay. we saw it in a movie theater. And they and ABC invited a whole bunch of because it was a big theater. They invited a lot of the public so they could get them to give reviews. In fact, one of the commercials has people talking about how they like the movie, and I, I was there watching them to film it afterwards, <laughs> which was interesting. And you, you had said you'd seen uh, Battle for Endor a lot. I'll tell you why you saw Battle for Endor more, because they made a mistake and made it look like Battle for... They had put it on a, I, the A-side, Battle for Endor. Yes. Mixed it it was right supposed to... Caravan of Courage should have been on A-side, and they reversed it. So you probably thought the Battle for Endor was the first one if you put A-side on. Although I think the Battle for Endor is a is a more well made movie, you heard Ooh. that from me. Even though I'm not, I get killed in it, and I think Joe know, Johnston is a big reason for that because he kind of basically ghost directed the entire movie, Ooh. most of it. Um, okay, but we'll talk about that too as well. But and why maybe the family died, um, except for Sindel. Um, what was your? Let's go back to your question again. Uh, refresh my memory. Sorry. Oh, what was your first experience of watching this as a viewer? You said at that screening oh, for I, Fox? It, it was exciting because mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the version that I saw was the theatrical version, which was a few minutes longer, and it had that 20th century fanfare at the beginning. Ooh. Uh, da -da -da, da -da -da. And it wasn't that way on the original VHS. It wasn't that way on television. And then the green logo came up, Lucasfilm. So it was exciting because it, I thought people thought it maybe it was a Star Wars movie when they saw that in the Lucasfilm logo. Mm -hmm. so, uh, and George Lucas came up with the name Caravan of Courage, although on television it was called The Ewok Adventure. They yeah. changed the Caravan of Courage was the theatrical name because it was released in movie theaters uh, everywhere but uh, American Canada. And eventually, it kind of they they kept they brought the name back and kept it Caravan of Courage, which I think is great. George came up with a better name anyway. Absolutely agree. Agreed. Um, mm -hmm. And um, my first reaction, I mean, it was a uh, you know, as an actor, you know, you catch your you, there's stuff that bug you in certain scenes. Mm -hmm. There's certain scenes I'm going, oh shoot, I'm just acting my ass off in that scene. I'm just horrible, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh my good, the looping. And this movie, I did the first, this is the first time I did major ADR, which is called automated dialogue replacement. A lot of people don't realize we go back in and we redo the performances in the studio. Mm -hmm. And in the Ewok movie, there's only one scene in the movie that wasn't, the audio wasn't replaced. Oh. And that's, and that's my favorite scene in the movie because it's my original performance on the set. And that's the scene where... We were talking about it earlier about the audition where the scene I did in the audition, it's the scene where we stopped the rest and I start the, the campfire and I talk about how I wish I was the best kid that ever was and I'll protect you and be mom and dad, don't worry. That scene is the only scene that was not dubbed. 
that's awesome. That's my most raw performance. And then I the scene where the scene where I the, where Logray's spinning that top and he's and I'm acting like my butt off like it looks like a monster or something real big. What is it? It's like oh my god, that acting so terrible in that scene. Um, those are you know I mean you know I'm gonna pick apart my performances so that's what actors do. Um, mm-hmm. And also Aubrey Miller was so young, she couldn't do her audio. So in Caravan of Courage, it's not her voice. Oh. Courage, yeah. it, it is her voice in the sequel, The Ewoks About a Foreign Door, is her voice because she was a year older. She was five. She was able to do it. And I remember her mother was so excited when I went to the premiere of the second Ewok movie. Eric, that's it's Aubrey's voice in the whole movie. She was able to do it this time. I go, that's great. I'm glad she did it. So, and... Uh, uh, the voice of Sindel in the first Ewok movie. Her name. It was a girl who was on a show. I think she was. Uh, she was on a, a Saturday morning show called Small Wonder, about the robot. I have not um, seen that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the girl's name is Tiffany. I think her name's Tiffany Brissett, but she does the voice of Sindel in the first uh, Ewok movie. That's really interesting. I know clue oh. about that. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. They, yeah. She didn't get credits for it. Mm-hmm. So. They don't do that, you know. Uh, although they gave credit to James Earl Jones when they dubbed uh, David Prowse's voice, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they had to get him. <laughs> but that's that's really cool to hear, honestly. That's really interesting that like the ADR was that in, like involved with this project too. That's pretty neat. And they were, and they and they gave all the Ewok characters a shot at doing their own voice. Like oh. I remember when Warwick went mm-hmm. in to do audition to do the Wicked voice. He was so mad that he didn't, he couldn't do Wicked's voice. Gosh, they let it, they at least gave him a shot at doing it. Mm. But then they they brought in other actors to do all the voices for the Ewok characters, and they created uh, the there is actually an Ewok language that it's probably somewhere at Lucasfilm. But they brought in a, a language expert, and she created a real Ewok language that they use will use from the Ewok movies on. They actually have it written down. It's like. It's made up of diff- several different languages, like I think, uh, I think some some Tibetan language, uh, Vietnamese, and Fili- Filipino. It's like a mixture of Asian languages. Oh, that's really cool, actually. Dang, that is that's that's really interesting. I know there's a whole bunch of different dialect, obviously, in Star Wars going on. So it's neat to see that it's also physically still there in like archives and whatnot. They can refer back to. That's pretty neat. I mean, I, I only knew about it because they told us that mm-hmm. they were doing it, and I read it somewhere in, in, in a newspaper article that they created it, so it was verified. And uh, uh, so that, I mean, my experience, I mean, I went off track again. I t- tend to do that. <laughs> You're good. Uh, but yeah, it was a great experience seeing it in the movie theaters, for sure. Awesome, man. That's really cool to hear that you guys had a proper theatrical release for yourselves. Because like you said, it's not yeah. in America, unfortunately. Or was in America. We got cheated. We did. Absolutely, man. We absolutely got cheated. Um, Brian, you said you watched the hell out of Caravan of Courage growing up. I want to hear a couple of like your general thoughts about this film and like some favorite moments you might have with this. Yeah, for sure. So kind of kind of echo, you know, what Eric was just saying there. It wasn't even, you know, <laughs> I didn't even know it as Caravan of Courage, right? It was just the Ewok adventure, um, you know, <laughs> really, until <laughs> I put it back on, you know, like two days ago. I'm like, oh, well, I, I kind of always knew that it was called Caravan of Courage, but I didn't really think of that. I always just thought of it as the Ewok adventure um, because that was how I remembered it. But no, I mean, I remember it just being fun. Like I would have been like a little kid. Like this is who this 
movie was made for it was made for made for me right like five six seven years old um you know i'm seeing i'm seeing you know mace and sindel there you know they're kids it's the same reason why kids love the phantom menace because they have anakin and they're like that's a kid like me i i loved all that stuff i loved kind of kind of just this journey you know it's a it's kind of a straightforward kind of hero's journey kind of thing but i love that i love kind of the kind of like the magical like stuff that you're getting you're getting like the the rock that arrowhead that's kind of leading the way and um all that stuff was really fun and then you know watching it again you know kind of as an adult i'm watching it you know um with a little bit more of a of a critique in my eye but it it looks phenomenal uh for for a tv movie especially for for the time but like the map paintings and the way that like the ewok mm-hmm. village looked it looks unbelievable. It's it's so great. And but yeah, I just I remember watching it as a kid and just, you know, falling in love with just kind of this adventure that was really like aimed at me. You know, of course, you know, A New Hope was was aimed at me too, but this was even more like dialed in. Like they were really like turning the screws on the kids here for uh for you know with the Ewoks and you know, having, you know, uh Eric in it and, you know, Sindel and stuff like that. So yeah, it's just it's great. I feel you, man. This also felt like, in a way, made for me, too, as a kid. Like I've been very vocal about how much of a Muppet fan I am, how much of a Henson guy I am. Um, so, like, obviously, with the Ewoks kind of play a part in that, too, with that design look. Um, so, like, this this felt like a weird, like, like, crossover episode between Muppets and Star Wars, in a way, for me. Where it's like, I get a full hour and a half of just the most Muppet-like characters, like, actually having the forefront in this. Um, I love seeing, you know, a variety of the Ewoks come into play, too. Like, we have the, uh, like, Logre in this. It's so, so cool. I remember having Logre figures growing up. I had him. I had uh, Tebow as well. I had Poplu. And seeing some of them come into play in this is really, really neat. Um, Although Logre in the Ewok movies looks more like Tebow. So, um, he does. Mm-hmm. He does, yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, seeing some of the other, like, technology involved in this, too, is pretty cool. Like, there's one scene, I think it's the campfire scene, is when you have this space lighter. That's, like, this weird, like, zappy stick. That thing is awesome. It reminds me of a sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who, almost. (laughs) Yeah, Mace had a lot of gadgets. He had a knife, he had a, you know, if they ever did a Mace figure, he had his blaster, the Mace blaster, he had his Mm -hmm. It, uh, the knife he only takes out real quick to fight the spider or whatever, but he had a lot of cool stuff for sure. Absolutely. Um, seeing the Ewoks come together and form the caravan is pretty cool, especially when they have the whole sequence where they're going through like the weapons they can go ahead and take forward. Have three different Ewoks have like the set of the the magical wings. Um, Wicket right. has the, the the magic stick. Mace has the rock. Sindel has the the candle that doesn't stop lighting up. That like this feels more Saturday morning cartoonish mix of some Henson stuff going on with a dash of Star Wars. So yeah, Brian, I 100% feel you. This did feel like written for me as a kid almost, which I loved. Um, and also, you are very right too. Like this movie looks gorgeous for a TV movie. Like the paintings are incredible in this. Looking back on it, like. I was pointing out when I was watching Return of the Jedi for uh, the 40th anniversary screening how some of like the the Death Star 2 shots look really great. And you can point mm-hmm. out you know, which stormtroopers are real or not since I've seen this movie a hundred times now. And then kind of having that like att- like focused attention or attention to detail for uh, the matte paintings in Return of the Jedi and seeing you know right away watching the Ewok movies. They stuck out like a sore thumb because of how gorgeous they were in this. Like in the best way possible. Um, yeah, man, this is, this was a pleasant rewatch, honestly, for sure. Yeah, they had, they had like over a hundred matte paintings for the, 
and it had a, a, over 150 effect shots and and which was at the time they said it was as many effect, effect shots and as in star trek the motion picture for a tv movie so oh i mean it was a it was a definitely uh they are beautiful for sure i agree with you they are. I know how there's, with every Star Wars movie, we just get, like, an art book, of course, of concept art, some of the paintings you use, and, like, some proper stuff. There needs to be something for these Ewok films. Like, they, they deserve well, they had, higher They credit. had lobby cards. If you, if you, and they had, like, they're collectibles out there, if you mm-hmm. really want to get into it. Uh, they have lobby cards, which show the most paintings that you see in a movie. Like, you'll see us walking across the desert, that desert, the forbidden land you called, which is Desert of Salma or whatever you Mm-hmm. wives called it um i've seen it a million times so i know every all the names <laughs> but um yeah you could get lobby cards big 11 by 17s uh, you could find them online and, and in japan they actually had a book a, like oh. a real book that you could get and had all the different stuff in it as well in a the movie theater so i mean they had some pretty the, my favorite posters is a japanese poster and a japanese book collectible book those are my favorite ones but uh, again, because it was in a the movie theater, but you're, but yeah, I wish they would do a little bit more. They sh- and they did a book uh, called Ewoks and the Lost Children, which is like from a random house and has pictures in it. And they also did a couple, like you know, those read-along with the with the records and stuff. They did yeah. that too. Mm-hmm. They did a few things, but wish they would have done more. They, you know, who again, knows? maybe one day. Again, America was robbed here with Ewoks. Yes, we were. <laughs> <laughs> we were for sure. Curtis. And I, I, and I'm ahead. glad you brought up the caravan scene because that was the scene that had the most Ewoks in it. Mm-hmm. And they brought and um, all those extra Ewoks were kids, oh. were six and seven oh, years cool. old. So that was cool. That's pretty neat. That. Thirteen cameras running at the same time. Gosh, man, that's a whole. That's pretty awesome, honestly. I love that this got like a serious like treatment for the story. You know, that's pretty awesome. You got to give that credit to to George Lucas and Lucasfilm. There's a reason why. Absolutely, you know, the quality's there. So, absolutely, got to got to give credit to the maker for sure. Absolutely, Curtis. I want to hear some of your overall thoughts on Caravan and Courage. Yeah. So, I, my first time rewatching it since I was like four. So it's gonna be good like good like twenty two years or so. <laughs> <laughs> so going back and rewatching it. Yeah. No. Like what you guys were saying. It is a. I was like so surprised at like how like good it looked for like a TV thing, especially in the states. I'm like, this looks great. Mm-hmm. Like I see it being in theaters, like it was supposed to be like in everywhere else. Um, yeah, the same thing with you guys. Like the map paintings, I thought were great. There's a certain scene. I think it's in this one. I think it's right before the sun goes down on Endor. I believe Eric, you're like sitting on a log, just like waiting for stuff to happen. And there's this gorgeous mad painting in the back. Yes. Where it's like right before, like it's starting to like turn like blue and purple. I'm like that's a gorgeous shot. I love that shot specifically. That's a great shot. I agree. I love it. And then being a sibling myself, I have a sister who's seven years my, like younger than me. And I thought your relationship with uh, Aubrey, I thought was very realistic. Especially, I like right when she gets sick and you start like. Because obviously all siblings like bicker back and forth like you guys were in the beginning. Like as soon as like something serious happens, you're like, okay, big brother mode. I gotta go do this. She's family. I gotta, you know, big brother, put my big boy pants on. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where you start like choking up, like trying to make sure your sister gets this medicine and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, this guy is so good. And, like for like how young you were at the time, I was getting emotional now because like I can relate to that kind of stuff. And 
I'm a big like costume set design kind of a person. So seeing all these like practical things like still in their base form, even still on streaming, I thought it still looked phenomenal. Because I know practical effects of now is like kind of like it's a dying art, which is sad. Mm. But I, cause I always think it looks better. Like all the creature designs, I thought looked good. I, I'm forgetting what the main yeah. creature is called. Uh, the main creature is called uh, the main. The giant's called the Gorax. Thank you. And Gorax. he's can he's canon now because they did some stuff with him and on the Force of Destiny or something. They brought the Gorax back. Oh, cool! That's awesome. Oh, the little bit with uh on Endor. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Little bit. So they brought the Gorax back. Um, and uh, he he had a pet called the Pet Bora, and that's mm. the one that that. Chased Tyndall and I, and then the Ewoks saved us by killing it. That's okay. why we found the light. That's why he had the life monitor because that was the Gorax's pet, and he put it on him from one of the parents. Um, oh, that didn't come uh, across that well, but that's why that's why they found the life monitor. Then they knew the parents were alive. So, okay, no, that, that, that's awesome. I love that kind of background stuff. But no, I mean, I think it's a great, simple, straightforward movie for kids. I think literally anybody in age can really enjoy it. Um, yeah, but those are like my big, you know, takeaway from this. I thought everybody did, get a, did a solid job. Cosmic looks good. Matt paintings are gorgeous. Soundtrack too, I thought was really like really good. Cause I'm a big audio guy too, and I thought the music was also like very well done. I yeah, agree, man. Peter Bernstein, I think uh, it's Elmer Bernstein's son. Uh, yes, I mm-hmm. believe so. Yeah, that, that's why it was so. And plus, they they didn't have the money to do the London Symphony, so they did the German uh, Philharmonic, Munich Philharmonic. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they they sounded great still. Like they did like enough to where it sounded like Star Wars. Like they did they took like I think the themes from like John Williams scores and then they did the wicked things in there. Yep. Yep. I thought that just great. I love that kind of stuff when they do things like that. Absolutely agree, man. The music's great on this for sure. Um let's go ahead and talk a bit about Battle for Indoor real quick, the follow up sequel that came out the next year. Yeah. Now, Eric yeah, you, you gave us a little bit of a teaser, you know, before we were talking about Caravan of Courage, about what's happened to the your family in this film. What is, what's going on with that? What's the backstory? Because you guys aren't too much in this film. This is the opening sequence for the most part. You know, of course, Sindel's, you know, stays out this piece, but unfortunately, everyone else kind of meets their demise very quickly. Well, I understand that that decision happened the weekend before they started the writing sessions for the sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were originally signed to do it. We we're supposed to do a trilogy, so we were, oh. I was signed to do three movies. They didn't. They they did write an Ewok script for the third movie, but which was never made. I don't know if Mace would have somehow came back. Maybe not. Probably not. There was a third Ewok movie. Maybe it was centered around just Ewoks, and because Sindel left. Mm. Um, but originally, but originally George thought it was going to be a trilogy with all of us. And uh, what happened was. Again, he made these movies for his daughter, Amanda Lucas, because mm-hmm. uh, she loves Ewoks from Return of the Jedi. She fell in love with them, like everybody did. And um, the weekend before they started the writing session to do the sequel, Amanda and George watched uh, the movie Heidi uh, where, um, with Shirley Temple. Or I think it is Shirley Temple. I'm trying to remember. Where she's an orphan and she has to, this hermit has to help her. And, and so when he walked in, he said, I want the story to be about, I'm going to make Sindel an orphan and she's going to find this hermit character. And it totally changed the whole scope of everything. And I was originally told by Aubrey Miller's mother, they call, she called my dad and said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but they're starting to film the next Ewok movie. And we got the script and Mason, the whole family has already been killed. So I was told that Mace was already dead. 
mm. and I wasn't even going to be in it. The second I was, I found out that they re, during rewrites they kind of wrote Mace into it and had the mother laying there dead, and then the father later dies. Uh, originally, the Mace and the mother was already dead. So oh, I was happy mm. that I in rewrites they brought Mace back to kick some ass and you know kill some marauders. Absolutely. Uh, I was happy to do it. Uh, you know, it was a small role, but I was excited about my first working with Lucasfilm before, and I wanted to prove that I could do a great job, and so I went up and did it anyway, um, which is great. And um, so that's why the family died. It just, you know, George is a spur-of-the-moment guy, and he gets an idea. He just rolls with it. Like, the people who directed the, the second Ewok movie, uh, Jim and Ken Wheat, he watched some movie that they made. He wanted them to direct the movie after he watched it because he loved their work. Mm -hmm. That's how George is. He, when he gets an idea, and it's, it's, you know, that's why sometimes when they approach him with ideas, they want to make sure he's in a certain mood because he might say no sometimes <laughs> and yes some other times. So um, gotcha. that's, that's, that's what I was told was the reason why that happened. Um, you were talking about uh, uh, Muppets. Originally, Teak was supposed to be a puppet and supposed to be even smaller. Oh, and uh, that changed because Wolford Brimley, uh, you know, said, Hey, I ain't working with no Muppet. Or whatever he said, you know. <laughs> I have to deal with diabetes. I ain't working with no Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> he, he insisted no. So they had to, they actually made this, they actually went through the, the Jim Henson's people and they made a Muppet and everything like that, or a puppet or what do you want to call it? Mm -hmm. a, a smaller creature. And he said no, so they had to redesign the whole thing so that it could be like an Ewok, and that's how Nikki Patello got the role because uh, they needed someone small, and she was doing Wicked stunts for work, oh. and that's how she got the role. So instead of just doing stunts for as as Wicked, she then got the role of Teak, and he 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 blamed it all on Jim and Ken Wheat because they wrote it. He knew mm -hmm. he was they were writing and directing with George, so he got so mad during the filming that he ended up punching out the first assistant director and uh he quit and he wasn't going to do any and he said that he wasn't going to film with them so that's why i said joe johnston co-directed most of the movie because he had to set up a whole second crew to film wilford brimley's scenes because he wouldn't film it with the directors and joe Damn. johnston directed all his scenes oh interesting that is interesting i on the second movie that's what happens. Dumped. That's karma, George. You kill the whole family off. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, man. Yeah. But filmmaking's that way. I mean, it's sometimes, uh, you know, look what happened to him in Star Wars. He lost all the sets in Tunisia. So, you know, and stuff happens. That is true. That is true. I was watching a whole documentary on that recently, too, actually. It's cool you mentioned that. Gosh, that is a, that's crazy. There's so much going on over for the Battle for Endor. Goodness, and, it, and look how good it turned out, you know. Yeah, it, despite it, everything going on, movie. it's a good movie. It's it definitely is my favorite of the two because the action. I I want to see more action. Mm -hmm. It's not that Caravan's not great. It's a great family movie. It's got emotion. It does have some adventure, but it's a little slower than the Battle for Endor. It is a little bit That's, slower. Yeah. Yep, you're right. Gosh, man, Battle for Endor, this is the one I watched more as a kid, um, but before, you know, it's been, like Curtis, you know, some time since I've rewatched these, like, obviously, it's, I don't think it's been 22 years, Curtis, since, since I've rewatched, you know, <laughs> Battle for Endor, it's been more like, you know, 10 or so years, maybe 13 years, roughly, but 
I, you know, the one thing I forgot about this movie for some reason, I really forgot that Wicked speaks English in this. <laughs> oh yeah, that kind of threw me off a bit. Um, and like a weird like. I, I don't know, man. It just threw me off. Like, I knew the cartoon, everyone speaks English, obviously, and we'll dive into the cartoon a bit, too, of this as well. Um, but this, Battle of Frandor feels like the good bridge between both mediums, between the live-action movie stuff and the cartoon, for sure, because of Wicked speaking English. So it's weird, but in a way, it's necessary, it feels like, in a sense. Um, but yeah, man, Battle for Endor, this film starts off with Sindel and Wicket kind of chilling in the woods. The Star Cruiser is fixed, finally, from the last film. The family's getting ready to dip out of Endor, and then all of a sudden, marauders start attacking the village. And during this, unfortunately, the family is killed, more or less. Like, right off the bat, the mother is just kind of laying on the ground. We get this absolutely badass scene of Mace taking out some marauders behind this cover. Um, unfortunately, he's blown up pretty early on. And then we get this also sequence of the father running away with Sindel, trying to get some cover in the woods, an emotional goodbye and departure between the two. The father's also killed by the marauders. Um, and Wicket and Sindel then have to escape from this point on. Um, they escape down to a mountain, and the monster grabs Sindel, and Wicket has to go ahead and glide to the rescue to save her. And while he's gliding away to like save her from this monster that grabbed her, kind of like a recent episode of The Mandalorian, um... He goes and they kind of like end up on a different part of Endor they're not too familiar with. And during this, they bump into another little creature that we just talked about, who's one of my favorite Star Wars Legends characters, Teak. This dude, he's like the speedy Gonzalez of Star Wars. He is silent, but very deadly almost. Dude's just awesome. Love this guy. Um, they bump into Teak, and he takes him to Noah's hut. Um, Noah's kind of like this hermit in the woods who just kind of wants to chill by himself. He has Teak chilling with him, um, living a very quiet life. And at first, he's very like off-putting towards Sindel and Wicket, but warms up to them very quickly once he realizes that, hey, they aren't just beggars, they are actually in need of help. So he gives them some refuge, gives them some food, you know, some comfort for him as well. Um, during all of this, uh, they stumble across this whole witch who is with the King of Marauders, more or less. And she kind of has this Odin-like power where she can turn into a raven and go flying around and causing some havoc. Um, and during this, also, the king of marauders from previously destroying the village and killing Sindel's family, he takes out the, what he calls the power. And it was, it's what powers out the uh, Star Cruiser for the family. He takes this source of power because he doesn't understand it. He wants to learn how to use this power, more or less. Um, he sends the witch to go ahead and kidnap Sindel from Noah's hut um, because she apparently knows how to work the power and wants to learn how to, you know, operate this device. Um, so then Sindel is kidnapped. Ewoks, or excuse me, not the Ewoks, the Ewoks are also kidnapped as well into this castle. Wicket with Teak and Noah have to go ahead and break into the castle to go save Sindel and the rest of the Ewoks. Um, and during this, we have a great little Batman-style entrance of the grappling hook to get upside um, into the across the moat. Um, and then while they're inside, they have to sneak around and pull a Muppet Man situation from Muppets in Space, where everyone's stacking on top of each other, looking around, sneaking through the corridors in the, in the prison center of the castle. Um, they break out Sindel and the Ewoks, and they all get ready to escape. Um, the king realizes that they're escaping once they've all, like, exited and getting ready to dip out of the castle. And at this point, the battle for Endor starts. 
um, we get honestly what I think is kind of an in, a more in-depth battle than we get in Return of the Jedi, with the Ewoks kind of going crazy and going ham against the Marauders. Um, of course, the Ewoks end up defeating the Marauders, um, and Wicket, well, excuse me, we get this really, really great Noah versus King Marauder fight um, between the stick and sword. You know, everyone always talks about how the final lightsaber fight in movies is something to remember for, and it's like almost a piece of art. Every time we see a Star Wars movie come out, I always see like screenshots of those final fights like lined up one another. This one needs to be up there, dude. This fight is pretty awesome. Um, but actually, it's Wicket who gets the final blow for the king by throwing, I think it's a rock, at this ring that the witch has and ended up giving to her, the king ended up taking. So the rock hits the ring, he turns into like a melty kind of, he just kind of disappears, to be honest. He just kind of dies. Um, and then at this point, now that they have the power back, Noah can go ahead and use this device to go ahead and power his starship to get off of Endor finally because he's been stranded there for so many years he doesn't even remember at this point. Teak chooses to stay with the Ewoks and Sindel then leaves with Noah to go ahead and start a new life elsewhere. And we get a bit of an emotional goodbye with Wicket and Teak kind of chasing the starship to wave goodbye on this little mountain edge. But yeah, that is the battle for Endor. Um, and I assume we all kind of watched this at similar times with the Caravan of Courage, right Curtis? Yeah, I would say it was pretty much whenever Caravan would come on, it was pretty much like an immediate battlefinder would come next. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Same here for me as well. Um, Brian, what about you? More more or less a back-to-back viewing experience for you with these? Um, I would say kind of, kind of yes, but I do remember seeing Caravan of Courage quite a bit more often okay. other than the other, and I think, um, and probably for you guys who would have been, um, well, at least maybe you, Max, watching it on DVD had access to both mine, you know, being being the rental, it probably was just whichever one. I was at the whim of my mother <laughs> pick, picking it up for me, so, you know, kind of whichever, but but yeah, I, I would guess that they probably uh, were watched probably about the same amount of times uh, over, over the course of my childhood, for sure, so. Okay, gotcha, man, gotcha. And Eric, what was your viewing experience like for Battle of Endor? Was this also a premiere for you as well? Yeah, no, they had a cast and crew screening. This this one I went to the one up in San Francisco okay. with the Lucasfilm people. So was, uh, that was exciting to go up there. And they had it. Uh, I even have the screening ticket, original Ooh. screening ticket. So cool. I, one of these days I'll post it. I have, I have one for the first one, but the second one looked kind of cool because... It had the uh, the same thing because they made these Ewok shirts and shirts uh, on the Ewok shirts it says Ewoks too. Just when you thought it was safe to go back into the forest. Oh, that's <laughs> cool! That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and um, the first the the then and George always does crew shirts, so that was a second Ewok crew shirt, and the ticket had the same thing on it. Um, but the first Ewok crew shirts uh, had Ewoks like. Uh, standing there with machine guns and all kinds of stuff, and it says up here, "Damn Ewoks, damn right we're cute," or whatever. You know, they're trying to kill you. That was a pretty cool shirt. Um, if, uh, talking about uh, the Battle for Wonder was great again. Seeing it in the movie theater, it was better in the movie theater. Um, that one didn't get much of a theatrical release overseas. I don't know why. It did get some release. It was called Ewoks and the Marauders of Endor in some mm-hmm. locations. Um, else about that the Ewok. the Ewoks movie the second one believe it or not a lot of the stuff that they stole you mentioned the Mandalorian a lot of the stuff they used in the Mandalorian they stole from the Ewok second mm-hmm. Ewok movie 
blurg came from yeah. the, the back front door. So, and some other, I think, I really think uh, on this, you know, when uh, when uh, he went to that planet uh, where uh, Gene, where he first meets a uh, Gina, mm-hmm. uh, Gina character. Oh, like Caradine. Yeah, Caradine. Uh, you know, and and they and they're and they have to knock out that ATST from those 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 creatures look like marauders to me. Or they're very similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look like a dog or whatever. They they look they grunt exactly like the marauders. I wonder if they use the same voiceover uh, and sound. Um, but it's great to see. You know, even uh, 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 John Favreau said he got they got a lot of their ideas from the two Ewok movies. At one point, I think in Chicago, he said. Where they were getting ideas, he goes, "I got all my ideas from Caravan of Courage." I don't know if you remember he said that. So. <laughs> I remember I was in that I was in that auditorium when that happened. Yeah. I was gonna say, "Me too, man. Me too." So that that off. was kind of a cool that was kind of a cool thing. But and we're we're here to talk about the Ewok movies. But yeah, you guys are doing a great job on everything you guys are doing. I hope they keep you giving you guys the keys, doing a good job. Yeah, it was a great experience uh, making the movie. It was a great experience doing everything. I'm still really, really good friends with Nikki uh, Patella, who played Teak. Ooh. We do a lot of events together. Uh, she's like a little sister to me. Um, I'm still in touch with Aubrey Miller. Not as much, but we still chat on emails every once in a while. I was friends for many years with her because I was like a big brother. I used to go and mm-hmm. hang out with her during spring break, and I... You know, spent time with her, you know, to get to know her more before we do the role, too. So, um, uh, last I heard, she was uh, about ready to get married, but that was years ago. I don't know if she ever got married or not, but she works, uh, she works in, she works for some, she's, ironically, she's doing, she's an editor and a producer for, she produces commercials. Oh, She's in the industry, which is ironic. Um, (laughs) And uh, she didn't stray too far from it, but... Mm-hmm. He doesn't remember making these movies, by the way. That's why she never does conventions or does signings because she did, she did one convention with me in Ohio like 15 years ago, and she couldn't remember doing anything. She felt bad because everybody kept asking her questions all weekend long that she didn't want. She just she always says no every time I ask her, so I stop asking. Because uh. uh, she just doesn't remember anything. She was four and five years old. What do you you know? You don't remember much when you're four and five. She might. Remember some things, but not much. Yeah, I feel you on that, though. It's cool you guys keep in touch, at least, you know. Yeah, yeah, so a little bit, which is cool. Yeah. That's pretty neat, though. That's pretty awesome. Cool you still this had, you know, a premiere for you guys, cast and crew, at least, yeah. you know. And that shirt sounds sick. That is a... Do we need to you know, like, see that come back for a celebration or something? You know, for I, a show I saw story. online, like, somebody had... I saw it online, the second one. second, Not the first one, but the mm-hmm. second one he walks to. I've seen that online on some... You know those stores they have where you could get t-shirts? Yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. what it's called. I saw it online before, so you could probably buy it. That's awesome. Oh, cool. That is sick, man. <laughs> that is pretty cool. Um, Brian, I want to hear some of your general thoughts and, like, pleasant memories, favorite scenes about Battle for Endor. Yeah, so Battle for Endor, um, you know, kind of coming off of Caravan of Courage, which is more of like a, an adventure story for kids. This was more of like an action uh, story for kids, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I was really kind of kind of drawn to that, right? You have a, a lot of, you have kind of that big, you know, set piece kind of action stuff with the Marauders at the beginning. Um, I really remember uh, a lot of like the, like the special effects driven stuff was really something that stuck out to me, you know, always, you know, kind of stayed in my mind, um, I, 
always remember like like wicket flying on the uh that hang glider thing dropping the rocks that always stuck out in my mind i remember kind of um you know sindel getting uh captured and put in like that prison inside of the castle like i always remember that stuff and um i don't know it was just it was just a lot of fun adventure and fun action stuff uh that was geared towards kids of course you have you have noah and teak there that's kind of fun it's fun that he's you know grumpy and then uh comes around to you know uh you know, love and take care of sindel and and all that stuff uh which is which is good and you know fun to see from like a like a family perspective too but uh yeah i just i just remember it being a, a ton of fun and more actiony uh than the, than the first film was and you know still look great and then you know upon like my rewatch him you know, watching it and the stuff with like, with like the spaceship looks amazing. Uh, the Ewok village looks like incredible. I just walked out of Return of the Jedi, uh, like two hours ago now at this point. Um, and the Ewok village, it looks okay in Return of the Jedi. Pretty good, pretty good. Um, but it looks really good in, um, <laughs> in the, uh, Battle for Endor for sure. Um, right there at the beginning when you're seeing it all up in the trees and stuff like that. But yeah, I just, I just remember it being a really fun, um, kind of action film. Uh, that you're going kind of on this journey and then you know you end up in this castle with this with this crazy witch and you know these uh these crazy marauders and stuff with all these weird powers that you never really kind of kind of understood but that was okay because that wasn't the important bit the important bit was uh was uh the fun you're having along the way so that's that's kind of what i what i remembered about it uh for sure a lot of a lot more of the creatures and special effects and makeup kind of more in this one than more so than in the in the first film yeah i feel you on that bro uh, more or less kind of like the same as well, too. Like, I really... This was the whole, like, almost genre-defining, like, washed-away-from-home film for me. This, like, this is always the one that comes to mind, too. Um, I absolutely adore the Noah's Hut sequence. All of that is great. It's such a warm area. Um, I'm a sucker for, like, cozy set pieces. Everyone always talks about how cool Yoda's hut is, or like, even, like, Ben's hut, like, for the Lego sets and whatnot. I love Noah's hut. Um, don't know what about it. It's just so cool looking. I like that it's practical. There's an actual fire. We see him do stuff in here compared to like some of the other films of like Yoda's and Ben's hut, of course. Um, I love Teak. Like I said a hundred times before this episode, Teak is so so cool. Like he he's just the speedy Gonzalez in this. I love that he doesn't really talk much in this either. He just kind of makes his own noises and grunts too. Um, that are like little you know, physical mime expressions to go off of as well. Um, I do love the gliding sequence as well, when they're hopping off the mountain, when Wicket has to save Sindel, and then Sindel plops on top of the glider and, like, falls through and just barely is holding on for it. It's corny, it's ridiculous, it looks good, though, and it feels like an action figure set, more than anything. Like, that, this movie just feels like you're playing of toys more than anything of Star Wars. And I know like John and Dave always talk about that being a big inspiration for the Mandalorian and like Book of Boba Fett and where they're taking Star Wars. But this feels like it more than anything for me. And I love that about that. This feels like the most innocent piece of Star Wars to a sense. Um, but yeah man, this is it's a good action film, a good adventure film. But for me it'll always be one of those defining washed away from home films where you're not quite sure where you are but you just got to keep going on, you know? Got to find home within yourself in a sense. But, Curtis, what are some of your overall thoughts of Battle for Endor? No, I mean, you guys pretty much covered a lot of the bases on that. Was um, I thought the set looked a lot better, even though I, the first one looked great. I think this one looks a lot better. I think the costumes are better. Yeah, the action at the very start, I think it's pretty traumatizing for like a kid to be like attached to these characters, and all of a sudden, boom, next movie, they're dead now. You're like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. But no, I think it's like, 
I think it's like an easy way to like, introduce kids to like some hardships in life, even that, to like that kind of an extreme. But even if you don't have like an actual family with you, you can always like depend on like friends or like other people you meet along the way to be like like a surrogate family, you know? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, but like I thought everybody in this movie did a great job. I think all the I think the costumes look good. I like that. I love seeing the old like blaster effects outside of like the main movies to see how how they were still experimenting with a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that we would see later in the prequel stuff. Um, it was great because I didn't know that um, Paul Gleason was in this because he replaced the actor for the dad from the first movie, and it's just weird to see that like in the same year Breakfast Club comes out. I'm not too sure which one came out first. <laughs> um, but well, no, it's just cool. Out of Wonder came out at the in November, so I don't okay. know when Breakfast Club came out. Okay, yeah. it was just it was just interesting to see like I know like a, a at that time like a decently big actor like in another Star Wars property, especially one that's like didn't get a whole lot of screen time here in the states. But Woodford Wolfer Brimley definitely was he had Cocoon had been out by then, so that was a big oh, yeah. deal. He was in it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But um, no, I think Max, you and Brian kind of covered a lot of the big bases that I was going to cover. So um, no, mm-hmm. I I just agree. I really enjoy this movie. I like it a lot more than I thought I would. Reseeing it now from a kid, mm-hmm. it's just a solid, like, good action movie, good family movie. It just it's just like a it's just a good feel good movie, which I don't think we get a lot of anymore. But I just that's I kind of like that. That's like it's just a nice feel good kind of a movie that ends with like a nice warm like send off to these characters that unfortunately apparently we never got a third movie to which i would like to see like what would they have done with it yeah uh, but no yeah you guys kind of covered all the big ones i feel you man and also breakfast club came out february 15th of that year okay so this was the follow-up for it it's pretty cool actually <laughs> oh that's great i think that's really interesting yeah honestly it is i wonder what that conversation was like too oh for sure i wonder man um, Eric, I'm really curious because you said you prefer Battle for Endor over Caravan of Courage as a movie. What are some of your thoughts behind that? Like, what what's makes this stand out for you more than the first one does? I just think the action. You know, I'm I love movies with action, mm-hmm. um, and that to me is what makes it makes it well for me. It makes it better, um, and it has great. It has you know Aubrey Miller does a great job. You know when it, she's got she's does good too when she loses her family and Paul Gleason does a great job telling her to be strong and brave and remember what we taught you and um, at and and, he, and I almost thought he was going to say may the force be with you when I was reading the script he was talking about how I'll always be with you but instead it's not the force will be with you you know it's like he's almost saying it but didn't say it you know it's no like I know exactly what you're script. talking about <laughs> I remember reading the script and they this the script was very close to what came on screen I mean, it was the first time I ever read a script, and it was like, wow, they made the because scripts change and they evolve and it, mm-hmm. the whole process. But this came so close to the original script that the Wheat Brothers wrote, and probably they made sure of it because they edited it with it, got did the editing and all this other stuff, and that's great. Uh, on side note, since you love Teak, by the way, uh, the voice of Teak is uh, Mark Dotson. Yes. And Mark Dotson does the voice of Salacious B. Crumb. Mm-hmm. You know, so that maybe that's why you like T, because you like Salacious B. Crumb from Jedi. I was about to say, I have him on my uh, my poster, actually, for the film, too. Yeah, so, and Mark's a good friend of mine as well. He's a great guy. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, uh, what what other things? I I mean, just it's just the action everywhere. It's like even when they that Condor dragon, and I think they reuse that in the Mandalorian too. They have a dragon in that one too. So it's like, and they have to escape from that. And like you said, the comedy and um, just every the the night. Uh, well, I'm going to call her Night Sister, but she's a witch. But that's where they got the ideas for that too. But mm -hmm. uh, on Phillips, great British actor. She had just done Dune. In fact, if you uh, we did we did a big Ewok reunion uh, in Florida uh, a couple of years ago, and he, and she was there, and uh, Carl Strickton, who played the king, Tarek was there. He and later Ooh. he did the Adams Family, so uh, he's had quite a and he was on Star Trek as well. And the person who played my mother in the first one, she did a lot of Star Trek stuff. So later, uh, nice. the again. So it's it's just a small world, and it was great hearing stories of how she got that role too, and. Um, but she does a great job as the witch. Um, Earl does a great job as the king. I mean, like you said, even the, the all the actors, uh, uh, they, they, the Marauders were played by, um, they hired like the Sacramento Kings basketball or uh, team or whoever oh, it was cool. that came and they played that. So that was cool. Johnny Weissmiller Jr. was uh, the main, King Tarek's main guy, uh, Marauder. So that was cool. He, his father was Tarzan. Um, what else? Uh, it was just it was a great it was a great experience. We even they did a basketball game where the little people were playing against the Marauders, and they were professional basketball players. And guess what? <laughs> they got beat by what? the little people. You can't beat the Ewoks, man. They they beat them because <laughs> the rule was when you play against a little person, when the when you after you shoot the ball has to bounce one time before they could get it. So they mm. would they would always get the rebounds. <laughs> They're not allowed to go after it until it bounces once. That's awesome. Well, they, they well they got the advantage with the height, but mm -hmm. you know Tony, Tony Cox, uh, you know he knows how to shoot. So does Kevin Thompson. So who uh, played Ukatrock. But Tony Clock, Tony Cox was uh, uh, played uh, Whittle, which is Wicket's brother. Um, so he was in it. So it's just a it was a great adventure. Um, it's just and then I can't believe I'm talking about it. Forty years, almost forty years later, it's kind of incredible. Yeah, truly. Yeah, it's awesome, Who man. Thought? Who would have thought? It's that's awesome. Honestly, man, like this, this is such a surreal moment too. Because, like I said, this is a a weird founding fathers episode for Galaxy of Film in a way. This is definitely a big milestone episode to go ahead and check off the list. Um, but like these movies have always had a weird, like, special place in my heart for Star Wars. You know, like. It blows my mind how not everyone's seen these, in a sense. This was my original episode 7 and 8 before the sequels came out. I hear you know? I hear that all the time. A lot of people, it was their first Star Wars movie, for sure. And mm -hmm. it's an honor and a privilege. And, you know, to, to think that some, you know, my goal as an actor is to help help you escape this world and, and forget about it and enjoy and entertain you, you know, and uh, take you on an adventure. And... The stories that fans tell me, like brother and sisters playing Sindel and Mace when out, when they go out and play, and mm -hmm. I, I wish kids would go out and play more, and and do that, you know. But it's definitely in the newer generation. We got to get that back for the new. Get put the games down, put the phones down, you know. Start you know start living a little bit, and hopefully we go back to more of that. So um, the kids are more grounded. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one day we need to go back to Endor because we need to see that third Ewok movie. That is intriguing. I never knew about that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I know there's a script. There was one draft of it written. I don't know what it... I never read it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's about. It probably was about the Ewoks. Yeah, but, you know, the Ewoks are great characters. Why not go about... I mean, they deserve a Disney Plus show. I mean, if they could do The Mandalorian, why not? You know, maybe someone should start a petition. Yeah, exactly. Mine is... <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, very nice. Let's see if he does it. That's awesome. That is pretty cool. I got my nephew his first wicket the other day. I'm ready to give to him in a couple months. I'm really excited cool. about that. Cannot wait. Gosh. Speaking real quick about Ewok stuff, before we wrap this episode up real quick, briefly I want to hear, you know, we have an Ewok show as well. This is a cartoon series. This is yes. separate from the films, of course. Real quick, Brian, do you have any memories, question or not question, excuse me, comments about the Ewoks show? No, not really. I um, That wasn't something that I watched. I don't remember um, ever having like any exposure to it as as like a young kid. Okay. Um, so I don't know if it just wasn't available to us where I where I lived or it just wasn't wasn't a thing that happened. So I was really unfamiliar with the cartoon until just kind of more recently and learning about it you know through various different star wars podcasts and things like that and now it's available on disney plus so i have uh, dipped in and watched a little bit of it and i know there's like um little golden books and uh like a comic line series and stuff like that for uh for it as well um which i actually have the comic for i got at a comic convention uh, but it's that same kind of that pastel uh bright mm-hmm. color that's the same as the uh the cartoons there and uh yeah i mean it's just it's just a fun a fun little adventure for kids i think um I haven't watched the Young Jedi Adventures yet, but kind of the the way that it's colored and the way that it looks, I, I think probably drew a lot of inspiration. I bet a lot of the people that are working on that probably grew up watching the Ewok cartoon. Uh, so, so yeah, so I think it's uh, it's uh, worth a watch to check out for sure. I need to I need to learn more about it myself. But I feel you, man. It's cool you mentioned that. Actually, the comic the comic line from Marvel Comics for the Ewok stuff was my original exposure for it as well. That um, I didn't watch a lot of it growing up. There was, at my local Blockbuster, like a compilation DVD of it. And for whatever reason, that was always checked out for some reason. Like, I was always able to get my hand on the 2003 Clone Wars. Always able to get my hands on, like, anything else at Blockbuster. Except that Ewoks DVD. And still to this day, I don't own a copy of it. Um, I've watched a few episodes on Disney Plus since being released. Um, Like, the Battle Wagon episode was pretty cool, because it's about the Kenner figure, of course. Um, but yeah, I don't have too many memories of the Ewok show, sadly. What I've seen of it, I enjoy, though, for sure. Um, love the art style more than anything. I love seeing, like, fan art with people using the whole wicket, having, like, the hood back and whatnot. Or the green hood as well. Um, it's cool stuff, though. But, Curtis, do you have any memories of the Ewok show? Unfortunately, I don't remember watching it a whole lot as a kid. Okay. Like, I'll every once in a while, I will get like flashes of like, I'll see, like, I think the opening theme to it, I'll, I might remember every once in a while, but like, maybe just around where I was living at the time, it just wasn't airing around. Okay. But, um, especially with the internet stuff now, I've seen clips and stuff of it. So, like, it kind of refreshes your memory, but I don't remember too, too much about it. Okay, I feel you, man. And Eric, what about you? Do you have any memories, or did you watch the Ewok cartoon after working on these projects? I, I, when it, initially when it came out, I, I was curious. So, I mean, I watched a couple episodes, but, you mm-hmm. know, it was a Saturday. It was, I just remember it was on in 87 or 88, which is tw- a couple years afterwards. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was just becoming an adult because I, uh, I turned 18 in 88. So, I was probably too busy. I didn't want to watch Saturday morning cartoons. 
but I watched it because it was Ewoks. I uh, watched a couple episodes. Uh, I know that you get they introduce more Ewoks and different characters on Endor, so you get to know more like the Dulocks and uh, Kinesis, uh, Princess Kinesis there as well, Chief Chirpa. You mm-hmm. start to get more of the more characters come out uh, I, I think it ran for two seasons yeah two wanna, seasons yeah so I mean obviously they it did well enough that they they did it a second season but uh, I think that that's that's probably what what we got was the Ewok TV series instead of the third Ewok movie because George was just too busy doing other stuff and I know at the time he was uh, while we're doing the second Ewok movie he was scouting locations for the last crusade Mm-hmm. And uh, they were getting ready to, and and then he didn't end up overseeing Howard the Duck because he was doing that. And then he came back and he had a fiasco with Howard the Duck and tried to do the best he could to remake it. Passable. Um, Warwick was supposed to be Howard the Duck originally. That was oh. his part. Hmm. But, but they made they they somehow made the head, and it was it was millions of dollars for the head, and it didn't fit him, so he couldn't play the role. Ah man! They ended up not. They ended up not making the movie that George commissioned to make either. It was supposed to be different than mm-hmm. it turned out to be. And uh, again, like I heard, he just pieced it together. He because he financed it with his own money. He sold it to Universal for the same amount of money, so he got his money back at least. There you, you know, go. He got his thirty million dollars back. Um, and he trusted him. The people that were making it because he'd worked for him before, but mm-hmm. he was upset about that. And he was upset, and that's one of the reasons why he created Willow. Because, you know, he was upset that Warwick didn't get to do Howard the Duck, and he really wanted everybody to see Warwick without a mask. So he created Willow for, for Warwick, which is great. And I, rem- I, I kind of had an idea he created for Warwick, but he still put Warwick through the audition process. And I remember when Warwick came out here and he auditioned with Ron Howard, did a couple screen tests. He, they flew him out here and met with Ron, and then he, before he left, he told me he had the role. So I remember when that was happening. Very was, nice. Uh, cool. Oh. Uh, I haven't nice. been in touch with work that much recently, but hopefully we'll get in touch soon. Um, but uh, he's, he's a great guy. I'm very happy with, with uh, how his life... Yeah, he's very proud of him, actually. So he's done, he's done well with his career. That's awesome, man. Oh, that sure. truly is awesome. And works. He's great. Uh, I've met him a couple times at Celebration as well. Absolutely love him, man. Love the Ewoks, of course. Um, And like I said, this has, again, been such a cool episode for Galaxy of Film. And, like, this is like a full circle moment for me a bit, too. Love these movies growing up. Never thought I'd be here today talking about them on a platform, especially with someone who has been involved with these films. So thank you for coming on, Eric. Um, It's been an absolute honor having you on here at Galaxy of Film. We'd love to have you on again at some point. Where can our listeners find you and find your podcast as well? Well, like we'd mentioned, I do a podcast. It's called All for Sci-Fi, and mm-hmm. we review everything sci-fi. We were, last week we were talking about, um, uh, yeah, we were doing Shadow and Bone. Uh, oh. But we do, ev- we do everything that you could think of on Netflix. We even reviewed uh, Lockwood and Company. Remember, that was in January. Nice. And the new stuff coming out, we'll be talking about um, G- Gardens of the Galaxy, which is coming out. We're going to be talking about... Star Trek, uh, Strange New World, which premieres in June. So we do everything, not just Star Wars. If you love sci-fi, find us. We're at All for Sci-Fi on YouTube, on Facebook, at All for Sci-Fi. On a, on a personal note, my, my passion is my music. And we never discussed any of that, but I am a composer and I write music. 
Uh, so you could go to ericwalkermusic.com. I have three instrumental albums that I wrote. I have three other albums of music where I have a person singing who's a good friend of, my, friend of mine. He sounds like David Bowie. And it's kind of, if you like 80s music, you'll like it. And it's sci-fi oriented. I've written a couple songs that are inspired by Star Wars. I wrote a song called Dare to Dream in a Galaxy Far, Far Away. I wrote a song recently called Magic Hand Dance, which is about Baby Yoda doing the magic hand thing and nice. as a dance. So if you... So go check me out, Eric Walker Music on YouTube, and uh, you'll hear my music. Six albums out so far. Awesome, man. Good stuff. Awesome. Good stuff. And links down below for our listeners as well. Check them out. Eric, couldn't thank you enough for coming on for this, man. This has truly been an honor, like I said. Absolutely. But Brian, my man, of course, I appreciate you coming on here as well, bro. You're always welcome, my man. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're always here anyways. So go ahead. <laughs> Plug, right. your, plug your shows, bro. If our listeners don't follow you already, where can they follow you now? Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you so much for having me on, Max. It's always a good time coming on and uh, talking with you guys about movies and Star Wars stuff uh, in particular. And thank you, uh, Eric, for coming on with us. It's been an honor to uh, share a little bit of screen time with you here tonight. So I appreciate that. Um, if you want to connect with me, you can do that on Instagram. It's at Astro underscore Droid underscore, which is mostly my Star Wars account. And then that links to the uh, podcast I'm part of. So the Old Republic podcast, uh, which is Star Wars and Knights of the Old Republic uh, theme podcast. And then Drink the Movies, which is a movie and cocktail uh, review uh, podcast we do two drops a week it is may the 4th so we're going to be covering return of the jedi this week if you need more chat about star wars more chat about ewoks we're going to be doing that uh mixing up a yub nub from galaxy's edge so uh go check that one out so uh yeah thank you thank you max thank you eric uh thank you curtis it's always oh. always a great time being on with you so oh hell yeah buddy Hell, a yum nub, man. I know what I'm doing Friday night. Man, Brian, this is why we have you on, man. You always put us hey. on the great stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Only the best here, bro. Curtis, my man, you've been here since basically day one. You know, I met you the same day I met Danilo at Star Wars Celebration. Um, I couldn't thank you enough for being here for this many episodes. Of course, we're going to get you back on here again at some point. Where can our listeners find you if they don't follow you already as well? Yeah, no. Anytime, Max. I'm always free. Well, I'll always make time for you guys. Um, even if it's about a project I don't know about, I'll try to make time for it. But um, No, people can find me over at Twitch. Um, it is twitch.tv slash Curtis Shack. Um, we are currently taking a break right now from our retro games of for the Castlevania series. And mm. we're going three... We're re- blah, 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 blah. English <laughs> is hard. <laughs> it's late. We're currently replaying um, Fallen Order. Ooh. to get in preparation for survivor um i'm playing on grandmaster difficulty i'm about two hours in and i already want to punch my screen nice <laughs> but no that's people can come in say hi drop a follow and all that kind of stuff um eric it was super nice to meet you you're a super cool dude um i'll definitely give your stuff a listen to because i'm a big sci-fi guy as well sci-fi is my favorite genre of things so i'll definitely give that a listen to my, my brother thank you awesome man. man awesome like i said galaxy of film brings people together here man that's what it does it's best stuff you know that's what we're here for. Only the best Street Galaxy of film. Which, speaking of, guys, like I said, this is our May the 4th special this year, but that's not all we have in store this week. Also, Danilo did an LFG discussing the Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2. We had Lexi from the Nerd Academy come on talking about that. And then last week, I dropped an LFG talk on Mando Season 3. Curtis, you were also there rocking out with us with Jedi Knight Lex. That was a good time. Star Wars galore, man. You know, Star Wars galore. Still got some more stuff to cover, though. We got a nice Empire Strikes Back special coming in. You cannot wait for you guys to hear that episode. Trust me, it'll be a great time. But also, guys, just a real quick thing before we end up here for our listeners. 
there's a little movie that was announced yesterday for as the time of recording this, excuse me. But it was announced this week. It's uh, by a little director named Jason Reitman. He's doing an SNL movie after this Ghostbusters project comes out. And maybe this is a shameless plug. Oh well, but this needed to happen. If you've been listening to Galaxy of Film for a while, if you've been subscribed to our YouTube channel and watched our content, you're more than likely familiar with our man, uh, Chris Sorrentino, the co-host of Super Live Adventure, a.k.a. Baby Belushi. Go ahead on Twitter and Instagram, at Jason Reitman. Send him Baby Belushi. Just at Baby Belushi. Chris needs an audition to go ahead and play John Belushi in that piece. I met this man at Celebration Anaheim last year. The dude lives, walks, talks just like John Belushi, and it is weird. If he's not cast in this movie, it'll be a damn shame. So go ahead and do that for me real quick, guys. I'd really much appreciate it. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy of Film. Follow us on YouTube as well at Galaxy Film Productions. Check out the website for all of our podcast content out there. You know, we're 120-something episodes deep into this. It's been a hot minute, guys. we got plenty out there for you. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us an iTunes Spotify review. It truly does help us out much more than you can imagine. And we'll talk to you guys next week when we review Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. See you guys next week.